still learning how to use a computer there, Terry? Uh, unfortunately, yes. Oh. I, you, this is going to accidentally go from an RC podcast to a com- comedy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the RC Roundtable podcast. Okay, for those wondering who we are, here's a quick intro. Pay attention. We'll only do this once. Hey, uh, my name is Fitz Walker. I'll be hosting this podcast. Uh, I've been in the hobby since sometime in the late 80s, earlier than that, if you can count Control Line and various other free flight activities. Uh, I currently run the Hobby View uh, YouTube page. Uh, I pride myself in doing all sorts of modeling, whether or not it's air, sea, land, whatever. Centerfold. Centerfold. <laughs> I specialize in centerfold models, especially the remote-controlled kind. It just came out. Uh, hey, you know, I gotta, I gotta broaden my horizons. I'll shut up. All right, try again, buddy. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, uh, I've uh, written for a few different publications, and uh, my current uh, thing I do now is the Hobby View uh, YouTube page, which reviews all sorts of RC models, and uh, anything else is probably going to be too boring. But uh, so I'm going to hand it over to Lee Ray. Lee, why don't you introduce yourself? Oh, I'm Lee. I've been in this hobby for over 35 years. Got started because my uh, father was flying U Control when he was young. And he got me started on gliders when I was about 10. I got this bug, and I've been flying gliders, glow fuel planes, and electric planes ever since. And uh, as Fitz mentioned to me, I, I have designed a, a popular foamy kit called the Thunder and Lightning. And uh, I really enjoy this hobby. All right, Lee, thanks for that. Next up, we have Terry Dunn. Terry, tell us about your Hello. Show. Hi, this is Terry, and um, much like Fitz and Lee, I've been in the hobby for as long as I can remember. I started out doing uh, Control Line with my grandfather and my dad and my uncles, and just kind of never stopped from there. And now my primary interest is electric airplanes and quadcopters. I used to be an engineer, but now I am a full-time writer, and I write on RC and aviation-type topics, mostly for Tested.com and also for other RC publications. All right. Thanks for that, Terry. All right. Well, next I'd like to introduce what I call On the Workbench, where we'll just do a quick roundtable and see what new and exciting projects each of us have started or maybe finished. And uh, so we'll get started with... Uh, Terry, what's uh, what's new on the workbench? Well, usually what's most recent on my workbench is a review that I'm working on. Um, right now, I'm tying up a review on the Blade Mach 25 quad racer. And right behind it, I've got the Blade Chroma 4K, which is a aerial photography quad with a 4K camera. And just this week, I finished up the the 3D Robotic Solo, which was really cool. I was impressed with that one. In terms of my own projects, I think the next on the line is the F-14 that I got from UFITS. I was looking at it the other day, and it's got a lot of wires, but uh, I think uh, with an 8-channel receiver, it ought to go together pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, it should be no problem. Uh, I don't. I think 8-channel is plenty enough, so uh, hopefully I labeled everything. If not, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. uh, that's a meaty servo you've got on the the swing wing mechanism. Oh yeah, that's that, stock is it? That's a, no, that was an old digital servo I pulled out of one of my big helicopters because I wanted something that had way more power than was needed. Yeah, I watched some videos of stock ones and it seemed pretty uh, iffy. Yeah, so, this uh, one is not iffy yeah. at all. Okay, and if you don't mind me getting technical here, I was thinking about and. To simplify things, setting up the tailorons as elevons, and then just mixing the ele- excuse me the ailerons onto that. Yeah, that's fine. The tailorons are the main controls. The ailerons are okay when wings out and useless with the wings in anyway. So. Okay, I was going to ask if you thought it would fly okay wings out without ailerons, just on tailorons. Uh, yeah, yeah, it would be no problem. Okay, I might try that. If not, you didn't hear it from me. <laughs> gotcha. 
It also sounds anyway, like that's what's on my workbench. Oh, awesome. Although it sounds like you have enough quads on your workbench to fly the actual workbench. Probably so. All right. Well, thanks for that. How about Lee? What do you have? And no, we don't care about that 20-year-old project you've been working on for the past 10 years. <laughs> Knew you were going to mention that. Uh, well, I'm a big P38 fan, so I've got uh, two P38s on my bench right now. I've got the JR Models P38 Speed Racer, sold by uh, Hobby Lobby, now called Hobby Express, a long time ago. Got it at a swap meet. And it, it's coming together nicely. I've just uh, taken my sweet time, but it's still... I just finished uh, painting the fuselage. also got the Flightwork P38 Red Bull Racer that I got from Terry. And uh, it needs electronics. It needs, needs, you know, the receiver and all that jazz. So haven't had a chance to really pull it apart yet, but I'm really looking forward to that. I've That's got another uh, one with a bunch of wires. I saw, I saw that. <laughs> so I'm just going to replace it with fiber optics. <laughs> um, as I stated, I, I fly the Thunder and Lightning, so I'm I'm in a new endeavor working with a, a local chap who's got a uh, laser cutter. So I've cut several Thunder and Lightning kits, and I've got to package one and build a couple more. So that's going that's going together real nicely. I like how this is working. And then I have this <laughs> this this swap meet uh, box of polystyrene. I call it a uh, Hobby Shack Cessna 177. It is basically a molded uh, fuselage wing of polystyrene. It's in terrible shape. I paid way too much money for it, but I'm a big you know Cessna 177 fan, and uh, I'm, I'm slowly uh, nipping away at it. And I think I'll have it ready by best. Are you going to put retracts on it? No. <laughs> <clears throat> Probably a good move. Yeah, Terry, I saw that uh, fiberglass P38, and that's a real nice job. Uh, that looks real slick. Uh, do you plan on putting any landing gear on it, or is it just going to be a hand launch? Well, first it's Lee, not Terry. Ah, damn it. <laughs> I screwed that up so tonight. much alike. <laughs> <laughs> um, I meant the other no, no. Terry. The other Terry? <laughs> Uh, no, the uh, fiberglass one is 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 non-gear. It's a speeder. It's a speed plane. No, it's a it's a Yankin bank. So it'll just uh, I'll, I'll try to put some skid material on the bottom. Okay, yeah, it looks like it'd be really fast. Overpower that sucker. I think that's from the day when Czech Republic stuff was good and affordable. Oh yes. So I remember the was it turn of the century when before the euro um, was widespread. The exchange rate was really good. You can get some really nice stuff for not much money. Yeah, Mario Mega Motors, those are really good and inexpensive. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, Alpha models. I mean, I love my uh, my Warbirds. Yeah, out of that stuff, all of this stuff out of Eastern Europe was good. It probably still is. It's just not as affordable as it used to be. Yeah. Uh, wish the old uh, Soviet bloc came back a little bit slightly. Just for exchange <laughs> rate. <laughs> not for the politics, just for the exchange rate. Okay, well, let's move on. Uh, the next thing we want to talk about is... No, uh, no, no, no. What's on your bench? My bench. There's nothing on my bench. Yeah, I forgot about my bench. I have a bench. I have a couple of benches. What's on my bench? Uh, I started... I have no idea when I'll ever finish it, but I started one of Park Flyer Plastics B-58 Hustlers, which will be four ducted fans on it. And it should be a sweet little ride whenever I get around to finishing it. But I did make some pretty good progress on the wing. And we'll see how it goes from there. And in fact, I just got some foam for the fuselage, which would be one long sucker. Uh, so I have no more excuses other than to get to it and make some time to finish working on it. And also, Lee, I think I got it right this time. I actually got around to putting together one of your Thunder and Lightnings that, that I got from you. It is basically flight ready. Just need some paint and a propeller. Uh, unfortunately, How much I does yours weigh? I did not weigh it. Probably weighs less okay. than yours, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it goes without saying. Uh, I think a brick weighs less than <laughs> Terry's. <laughs> uh, but it flies fine. Does that's, it? That's, good that's why it, I'm interested. It flew really well. I was really impressed with your video. My only problem oh, is... The video is crappy, but... Oh, yeah, the head cam. Oh, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll have to talk about it, that one of our future shows. Uh, a moving black pixel on a field of blue pixels. Oh. Uh, 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 anyways, uh, 
my problem is I need a paint scheme. I haven't decided what color I'm going to paint it. So right now it's it's nude. And one of these days they fly well nude. Uh, I'll probably end up flying. <laughs> what was that? So does Lee. <laughs> oh uh, 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 no. You you can call it the streak. <laughs> oh my <laughs> eyes. Where's that bleach? It's over here somewhere. Okay, anyway, well, I'll probably end up flying it nude, actually, to test flight and get it until I decide what the heck pick color I'll paint. And I probably will decide by best in October what color I'll paint it, which is only, what, six months away? That should be enough time. Yeah. Six months away. That's an episode right there. <laughs> also sounds like a soap opera. Six months away. All right, well, enough of that. We spent a, we blew much, too much time on that anyways. One thing I want to to touch on real quickly, uh, I guess we can call it the news of the week, and that is Airtronics. The uh, sleeper radio control company has decided that uh, Global, in fact, the importer of Airtronics, is no longer going to be distributing the Airtronics brand, and there's going to be some reorganizations going on, at which point a new distributor apparently will pick up the brand and will be distributing it under the original company name of Sanwa, which is the Japanese company that makes Airtronics. So Airtronics as an entity will be no more, and hopefully at least they will continue as Sanwa. And uh, that uh, brings up a little bit of nostalgia. I, you guys have any history running Airtronics radios? Well, sort of. I would say my first radio was an Airtronics, but Airtronics was just my first good radio before the Airtronics which was what, probably 1986, I had an Orbit 3-channel, oh, wow. which looked like a Heathkit kind yeah. of thing. Um, but we got a, an Airtronics 4-channel with my first plane, which was a Great Plains PT-20. That must have been somewhere around 1986. And I've still got the chassis for it around here somewhere. I just haven't used it since 1980-something. How about you, Lee? you have any Airtronics in your past? I, I've seen ads for them in magazines, but I have personally never owned an Airtronics you, radio system. You've heard of the mythical creatures of Airtronics, which not... Uh, <laughs> I've heard of them, yes. Uh, well, like Terry, my uh, experience with Airtronics actually goes way, way back. In fact, my first hobby-quality RC radio was an Airtronics. Way back when I started with RC cars, uh, I think circa 1984-ish, uh... For Christmas, I got a Tamiya Frog, and I also was able to get an Airtronics two-channel radio, and that, that worked very well, despite my inexperience in running with the thing, and I think I still have the transmitter somewhere between my house and my parents' house somewhere. Uh, just for nostalgia, I doubt it works anymore, but it was a very good radio, and I do believe I actually had one of their better quality two-channel radios later on. I think they had a radios that were uh, the pistol grip with a wheel for racing. I believe I had one of those for, for a brief period. And then eventually I did get a, a RC plane Airtronics, I think just a simple four channel for a brief period of time, at which I have no idea what happened to it. Uh, but I've I've run uh, Airtronic servos. In fact, I still have some servos from Airtronics here and there. They were the first servos I had that were mini or micro I guess they would be considered micro nowadays. And uh, Are you putting up air quotes when you say that? Uh, yes, virtual air quotes. They're somewhere between micro and mini. Uh, and I needed some servos. I was converting a Gillows, one of those little rubber band powered planes, into a RC049 plane. And standard servos were not only too heavy, they just wouldn't physically fit. And I was able to find some used electronic servos that fit in there. That was that was early 90s and that was a really happy puppy that I didn't have to pay full price for them. Uh, though I've been the early Airtronics, if you can remember Terry, they had a reverse polarity on them, on the connector. Right, you couldn't just switch connectors with Futaba, you had to do some finagling. Yes, and that bit me in the butt a couple times when I forgot to reverse or re-reverse them or whatever when I swapped between like a Futaba and Airtronics. Uh, fortunately they wised up and changed that later on but uh, that until I had burnt out a couple of receivers or something. Yeah. Well. Yeah, it's yeah. When I heard about Airtronics, I was a little bit surprised, uh, only because in RC, the one thing that people are most kind of uh, 
I don't know if passionate is the word, but militant about is their the radio brands. People tend to find one they like and stick with it, come hell or high water. So you would think that there's a a strong enough group of Airtronics fans to to keep them going strong. And I assume all this is because they're not doing well sales wise. Yeah, I I, um, I agree with that, and I think some of that's self inflicted. Airtronics itself has always been very good te- technology wise. They're bulletproof systems. And there's brand loyalty, but they've been really slow. They were slow to come up with a 2.4 gigahertz sped spectrum, and they've been slow to update their systems to a more modern look and uh, user interface and telemetry and that kind of stuff. Uh, at last I heard, they were working on a new model for air, for air, but nothing's come of it. They seem to be focusing more on the, RC, the ground and RC car stuff. So they've been sort of shooting themselves in the foot, or at least... Being by being so slow to come up with new stuff, and that's probably why they kind of never really moved up much, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I also wonder if some of the the new Chinese brands are are having an effect on that. What's the FR Sky, the Tyrannus? They're yeah. very popular and they're pretty inexpensive for what you get. And uh, I, I just wonder if that's making it tough on the the normal radio manufacturers. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the new competition doesn't help, and they're inexpensive, but hopefully the more traditional manufacturers will get their self into gear with and use their considerable assets to come up with radios that can compete, at least in features versus price and that kind of stuff. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, Airtronics can stay in the business and come up with something new. I certainly don't want to see them go away, and uh, we'll see what the future holds. Okay, we're going to take a moment for our break, and we'll be right back for our next segment. How about something a little different? Something like an impulse buy model? Something you just bought that you just saw and had to buy? Or that you know you're going to buy because you just need to find a way to hide the money from your wife? Uh, anybody want to go first? Anything they saw that they just have to have or just had to get? Terry. <laughs> Don't all speak at once. Um, yeah, I was looking through coverage of Toledo and... It's funny that there's two micro B25s coming out. Flyzone has one, and so does Parkzone. But they have exactly the same wingspan. They have some different features, but two B25s with the same wingspan. Um, I think I'd like to get one of those. And I'm not sure which one yet. Uh, for I understand, the, uh, one will have the AS3X stabilization, one won't. So it'll be interesting to see how they compare. Yeah, there's some trade-offs. You know, one has... Um, the clear uh, canopy glass and the you know, front glass where the other's foam. Uh, one's got the AS3X. One has decal sets. Um, so yeah, there are enough differences that you'd really kind of have to scratch your chin and decide what was important to you. But it's interesting that they're both being released at the same time. Maybe you can get them both and compare? <laughs> <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> that would be an interesting flight, you know. Head-to-head, which yeah. one's better, which the plus and minuses of either one. But it is funny how they both come out this about the same time, developed independently with the same, with the same model, about the same size, micro like that. Uh, that is kind of interesting. It would be nice if they had something that's an, as nice as a B25 is. It'd be <coughs> neat to see some of the other, other oddball ones, like a Black Widow or a uh, uh, A20 Havoc or something like that. Well, sure, but that's when you, you get the B25 and you gut it and you make your own. <laughs> well, I pulled up the Hobby Zone, <coughs> excuse me, the um, Fly Zone, uh, P38, and the specs are about the same as far as size to the B25, and I love how my Fly Zone P38 flies, so that, that would be interesting to see how that twin does. Do you, do you know if that uh, has counter-rotating props? I want to say one of them did, if not both, but I, don't quote me on that. Uh, Lee, how about you? Come on, what what you got all hot and bothered about? <laughs> I was looking at some photos on RC groups of uh, Ceph, and they had a couple of pilots they were interviewing that were flying the new E-Flight Pawnee Brave Night Flyer. And I have a Hangar 9 Pawnee that I like, and you know we've flown together to do Aerotow. And uh, this yeah. is a cute little airplane. It's... Uh, 
I don't know they call it this hobby Z phone or something. It looks like EPO. And the LEDs are internal. It's it's a cute little agile flyer. They mentioned it flies like the Park Zone T28, which is very appealing because I, I love flying the, the T28. It's extremely forgiving. Um, it's nice. I, I will say I saw one at the hobby shop today, and it was right at the door, and it was ready to be picked up and purchased. But the price tag on it is, is kind of steep. It's 280 And uh, how big fly? Yeah, it's a it's a Biden Fly 280, and you know pulled up the Park Zone, and it's 199. Now this has the uh, AS3X, and it has options for flaps, but they're not included. So I think the price range the price range is a little too high for that. That's just I mean I think if it was closer to 200 or 225, I I may have dropped the bills to pick it up. Um, but again, it, it's more like I think I'll hold off and see if it goes on sale or see if I get a gift card and but it's it's something that I think I'd I'd add to my inventory. How big is it? It's forty eight inches. Ah. I could probably top one of my hand launch gliders with that then. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> the specs are very close to the, the Trojan. Amazing. I mean same battery, you know, same motor. Mm. It's it's it that's why I imagine why they made that comparison. But again, that that price just uh, it's just a little a little steep. And returning back to the B twenty five, just from looking at online pictures, it looks like the fly zone does have counter rotating props, but the E flight um, has both in rumble direction. Yeah, it'd be really yes. nice to see how they compare to each other. We await your review of both. Yes, <laughs> with bated breath. Challenge accepted. <laughs> well, that leaves you, Fitz. Ah, I like electric ducted fans. Uh, I I swear, the company Freewing is just determined to take all my money. Uh, I've already gone through three of their planes. They came out with the Mirage 2000, which I really like because I w- always wanted a Kefir, and so I got the Mirage and converted it into a Kefir, had the canards, repainted it, and that kind of stuff. And then they came out with a F-104 Starfighter, and I just had to have a Starfighter because it's a Starfighter. And... Then they came out with Air-14, and I couldn't resist a nice, big, giant F-14 to fly around. And, that, and after that, I, I thought, hey, I'm done. Uh, I'm a happy puppy. I can die happy. And now I just found out they're coming out with a nice, big MiG-21. And I, right. I saw that. That just looks awesome. It's 80mm EDF. Looks like they'll have both 6 and 8S models. Uh, it's long. It's like sixty something inches long, and with a thirty-inch wingspan, right. <laughs> it's yeah. almost like the the Starfighter. You know, big plane, little wings. Uh, but uh, they just posted some pictures of it and some video of it flying around, and it looks really nice. It's it's one of those I'm going to have to get. Yeah, I was looking at the thread on that, and a few of the pictures made it appear as if the intake was blocked off. But what little discussion I saw about it hinted that that's not the case. Have yeah. you looked into that? Yeah, I did. And uh, they confirmed that, no, the intake is not blocked off. Uh, the, the company rep was saying that it's bifurcated around the cockpit. So the intake comes in, goes around the cockpit area, and converges back near the fan. Uh, although there is an auxiliary air inlet on the bottom somewhere as well. Uh, but it's certainly not blocked off. Okay. It's so just uh, uh, some sort of illusion in the photos. Yeah, I think because just the way it, it's uh, mounted or maybe the colors or something, it makes it look blocked off. Because a, a few people were confused, too, and said, hey, it looks blocked off. And they came in and unequivocally said, no, it's not blocked off, uh, and which is really nice. And I've always kind of wanted a MiG-21. I think HET made one some time ago, a little tiny one, 70 mil or something like that. But the rule on the, <laughs> word on the street was it didn't fly all that well. You're now calling 70 millimeter tiny. <laughs> it's all relative, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think the model itself actually was pretty small. Even though it was 70 mil, it was pretty small. Right. Uh, was that round cell days or after that? Uh, I believe it was right on the, the, la- the, the, the trailing edge of the round cell days. So I think it would okay. do round cell or lithiums. But yeah, it was it was bungee launch, that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was yeah. it was the stone age. Right, lead slide. Yeah, so now we got flaps and retracts, and 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 it looks really nice. It looked like it flew really nice, 
and they had like a really neat paint scheme where it was a silver, but he had airbrushed the panel lines, and it was it just had a lot of character to it. Yeah, that paint job scared me. Uh, if you had to fly that on an overcast day, it seems like it would get lost. Yeah, I'd, yeah. Well, they're, they're flying it in the rain, though. The, the the video they had. Okay, I haven't seen the video. There's a video, and it was actually literally drizzling, and they were flying it around with an F-86 uh, in formation oh. and whatnot. It didn't look too bad, so we'll see. Uh, but there are some colorful paint schemes you can do to it, too. So. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's one where there's tons. Yeah, so they're calling it for some delivery sometime in the summertime. I think they said pre-orders okay. were coming up in another month, month or, or two. So, uh, Are you on the list? Not yet, but I'm going to save my pennies, and when they do the pre-orders, I'll probably put myself down. I had to de decide, since they have a 6 and an 8S, which one to go with. I'm sort of split on the two. My first instinct is to go 8S, because more power. But it might be a plane that's just a nice-to-fly as a lightweight thing. So, yeah, we'll see. I just want to add, you have, like, one of our five listeners going on the internet trying to find out what a round cell is. <laughs> <laughs> the round cell days, back when we had to fly with <coughs> NICAD batteries or nickel metal hydrides, which are, you know, they both were literally round, like your double A's and C-sized batteries. And uh, we often had to make our own battery packs using specialized soldering irons with a T-type head on it or something a like hammerhead that. Hammerhead, yes. I still have my hammerhead somewhere. Yeah, me too. I wonder how many people have never flown the NICADs or lithium batteries of only, I mean, uh, uh, nickel metal hydrides have only flown lithium. That'd be interesting. Then. Well, sub-C has always been the the talk of discussion and then having a, a T adapter on your soldering iron to shove them together <laughs> and make a pack. Yes. They don't know the struggle. Yes. <laughs> they don't know the struggle. Don't know the struggle, yes. I, I was no less happy in those days. I was uh, just as satisfied working with those as I am now. I, I claim that it was actually a little bit more part of satisfaction because you've got this heavy sled thing to fly and if you get to fly <laughs> really well with these round cell batteries and impress all your glow friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. And it, it required some knowledge to make it work. You couldn't just slap it together. I think there's a little bit more leeway to, to fudge it these days. Yes. And those long three-minute flights? <laughs> <laughs> Felt like forever. <laughs> but yeah, you had to know the, your, your watts per pound and, and uh, propping your motor for the most uh, power versus time, flight time and that kind of stuff. And it was... Those days were kind of really pretty interesting and pretty neat, actually. I had a good time. Yeah, yeah same from here. And that's why I think that the designs from that era make the very best um, conversions for brushless and LiPo power today. They were designed to fly with heavier batteries and low-power brushed motors uh, and still balance. And so that you cut the weight by a third and double the power and good things happen. Yes, I had one of Gary Wright's E3Ds from way back when, one of his early kits, and that was the right. the epitome of such a design. It was designed for the, the least amount of weight that, that the thing would still hold itself together, and I think he had round cells and a little uh, RC car motor on a gearbox flying the thing with a big prop. Oh, that's right, the Magnetic Mayhem. Yes, Magnetic Geared. Mayhem on a oh gear. Oh my gosh, I have one of those. Yes, yeah. I've, I've gone through a couple too. And, uh, and it flew good like that. And then later on, I ripped all that out and put in a brushless outrunner and uh, uh, I think a three-cell something. And the thing would 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 hover at the third throttle. I mean, it was just an amazing thing to fly. I, I, I would take it out for our club fun flies. I'd always place second or first in at least one of the events with the thing because it was just such a great plane until uh, it met its demise last year. Uh -oh. But I want to talk about that. <laughs> you want to see a grown man cry then I'll talk about it but anyways I had my fun with it and yeah, you're right Terry that was those were the good old good days good old bad days <laughs> <laughs> here's the quick here's the big question though do you still have any NICADs in your collection yes that's bad <laughs> uh are I they? Are you using them as building weights? Um, 
I'm trying to think. Oh. For a while, I had a bunch of loose cells because I bought some that were on sale to build packs, and then for whatever reason, they sat around. But I think I still have some packs out there that are good, and why would I throw away good batteries? I'll use them one day, well, maybe. Well, I got you beat. I, I, have, I have a bunch, and not only do I use them as weight for building stuff, I actually have one pack that I still occasionally use in one of my airplanes. I have a because it needs the weight. Well, that and uh, with a combination of no, it doesn't really. Well, it might need those, some nose weight. Two reasons: a, those batteries are still good at producing high power, and it's a high-powered application. And b, I've just been too lazy to take it out of the airframe. Uh, I have a <laughs> hotliner. Is this your F-18? No, this is the hotliner I have. A little smart hotliner that's also pretty oh, right. And the hotliner doesn't need a lot of runtime. It just needs to produce 100 amps for 5, 10 seconds. It goes straight up. And the extra ballast actually does help on the downwind so to pick up speed. And so these batteries, those nickel metal hydrides I've had in there forever. And every time I take this thing out, it works. Uh, sometimes... The second flight is noticeably better than the first flight as they warm up and get broken in again. Uh, but I still, they're still in the plane in my garage. They still run. I still use it every once wow. in a while. They're bulletproof. Jeez. Yeah. Bulletproof. Just think, Terry, if you had brought those those uh, ICADs to the uh, Weatherford swap meet, you might have had some old timers going, I've been looking for those. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me I, I made the right move. All right. Talk, speaking of the right move... How about we talk about something that uh, I thought was be a neat topic, and that's your best save. Something you did to save your plane from imminent demise. Can you guys think of anything? Can it be accidental? <laughs> hey, anything goes, right? Okay. Who wants uh, to go first? Do you want me to go first, then? Uh, sure. Okay. So, speaking of those golden oldie days... I forget when it was, but it was probably around 2000. Uh, Diamond used to have these foam kits of the Messerschmitt ME-163 that was a Speed 400 tractor setup. I think it was about a 30-inch wingspan model and ran on seven uh, 500AR battery packs, seven-cell 500AR. So, by today's standards, it would have been pretty heavy, but back then it was a rocket ship, That's and I had to bungee, bungee launch it. Mm. But I got one of these things, and I built it, and I did uh, scale camouflage, and I can tell you now that the the German camouflage works. Even <laughs> 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 Yes. Das Camouflage is good, yeah? Yeah. I was flying in a field that was bordered by these tall pine trees and doing a low pass and once I got below the tree line I totally lost it and I just yanked back on the stick and, and prayed for the best and next thing I know it went shooting up uh, above the trees again and uh, so I saved it that time just out of pure dumb luck and then I ended up crashing it sometime later <laughs> it was it was fun while it lasted hey but you got to save you can brag about it. Yes. Right. <laughs> I got one. Well, years ago, I, I had a plane called the Ace GLH. I believe the GLH stands for Go Like Hell. It was a small plane powered by a Cox 049 engine. And I believe they were designed around a pylon racing class size for that era. And this was back when I flew a lot of glow planes before I did much into electric. And this plane was pretty neat. It was a little simple build. And, uh my first flight and I built it as per the instructions uh, mostly as you'll find out in a second and so I brought this thing out to the field and I started it up and I had a friend of mine give it a hand launch for me my maiden flight I said hey can you give me a nice good throw so I can keep my hands on the sticks and uh, apparently my friend thought he was in some sort of Olympic javelin throwing contest <laughs> he gave it a throw, and he threw it so hard that as soon as I, uh, as soon as he let go, I immediately realized I had no elevator control. He had, uh, what what happened is, uh, per the instructions, you're supposed to double side tape the elevator servo to the side of the fuselage, except which is just balsa. Which is just balsa. But there was one little uh, detail that I didn't pay attention to. 
they say that you're supposed to sort of shellac that side of the fuselage with some epoxy first. So <laughs> then double-sided tape it to the fuselage wall. Well, I didn't do the epoxy. I just double-sided to the raw wood. And so when he threw it, it the servo just stayed where it was, and the plane went, you know, due to a Newton's third law of motion or something like that. So uh, I had no elevator control. And this is a Cox 049 plane, which has no throttle control. So, <laughs> uh, so you're left with ailerons only? Ailerons only. The only saving grace was the, with the, the elevator was in a slight up position, so it would climb kind of moderately slow, uh, and it went up, you know, because I had no control, like, what's going on? It went up and did a loop by itself, and as it came back around, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I basically uh, performed a series of rolls in S-turns using the elevator, since the elevator was fixed in the up position, to just to maintain level flight. And after about a minute, I actually got the hang of it, and I was flying this thing around, doing S-turns and rolls, and trying to get it sort of close to the ground so that when the engine finally quit, I can maybe save this thing. And so after about a couple minutes of flying this thing uh, and not wondering what how it's going to turn out and doing whatever tricks I had in my up my sleeve, the engine finally quit just as I pulled it level about a foot or two off the ground and dead-sticked it, and all I did was break off the motor mount, which was an easy fix. And so I was, I was quite happy, and all the other guys in the field were really impressed, and they said that I had bragging rights for the day for pulling that off <laughs> and having a plane <laughs> <Yeah>. survive it. <laughs> As Bob Hoover said, fly it all the way into the crash. I flew it all the way into the crash. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's impressive. Yes, I never I think that. I would have just <laughs> put the transmitter down once <laughs> I realized there was no elevator. And this was relatively early in my flying career, so I wasn't, a, you know, the experienced old ham I was now. You know, this is so are you guys strange brew fans? Uh, yes, you hoser. <laughs> so that reminds me of you know, when they're driving in the van and they realize the brakes are out. Well, no point in steering now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lee, what's your best save? you got to have one, don't you? It happened at best. And, uh, Terry, you know my Kyosho Cessna 177, right? I thought you had many of them. I do. But I think it was the one where you actually sat down with me while I fixed the the motor. That's kind of unfamiliar. I think, I, I think you were sitting with me one, one year when uh, I was trying to change the, uh, uh, the motor angle it was just it was just too high it kept wanting to climb on me okay so, yeah that's that's familiar now and for those who don't know best is a fly-in uh, a little bit north of houston they do once a year an electric only fly-in at tri-county barnstormers look it up yeah. nice yes. place so i had uh and that's the problem when you take lots of planes to an event you have one transmitter and you have several model memories and you work on one plane and you fly another and uh so i had uh, finished working on that Kyosho Cessna, but I had flown something else, and and I'm sure I'm not the only person who's had this, but I had a model model memory mishap, and because I was sitting there with the Kyosho thinking I had the right one on, I took it to the runway and, and took it off, and all this happened in seconds, but because it's one of my favorite planes, I consider it my best save, and um, you know, had elevator control, took off, and my ailerons were reversed, oh. and I don't know if you've ever flown with opposite ailerons, and, and I'm going to say unintentionally because I don't think you should try it anytime. <laughs> but but it's it's extremely awkward. I mean, once you you know yank and bank planes and you're used to that, it was very awkward. And even though I had rudder control, I that thing was just I was having a tough time. And finally, to the point where I had enough altitude, I I lost control and I got her on her back. Well, this is a high wing with dihedral, so. She did not like that. So, at I mean, at that point, once she was inverted, I just finally decided, you know, maybe I should stop messing with the ailerons. <laughs> and uh, I killed the engine, and she was pointing towards the uh, that red barn across the way. And I just glided her down, inverted, into the, the hayfield. And nary a, nary a scratch. 
went wow. out there and wow. she just i mean i just was able to to get her down to to hover and i mean that's one of the amazing things about that plane i mean even with dihedral and, and high wing she she flew very well upside down and, and landed and i mean i was shaken <laughs> it was, i because i all i saw in my head was that thing was about to go flying into several pieces but uh that was probably my best save was actually landing a plane upside down all right so to summarize fits can fly without without an elevator but but you can't fly with the reversed ailerons oh and i can't see camouflage (laughs) (laughs) i have seen someone successfully land an airplane back on the runway with reversed ailerons this happened at the the johnson space center club and it was a trainer type plane and the rudder was fine so i kept telling him now just use rudder it'll turn fine with only that but he was bound and determined to use ailerons and, and he did it i was impressed uh, well, how long was that flight? I mean, I, I had just taken off, and by that time, I was oscillating so drastically, trying to correct and not and not understanding it. Because, you know, once you have a plane that you're so used to flying, and, I mean, you can literally just... It's like night flying. Once you kind of get a feel for an airplane, you don't actually have to see it quite well. You, you kind of know its movements. But yeah. I don't know how he could have gotten, like, good altitude. I, I, I don't remember that precisely, but I know he did it. And wow. I know it was impressive. <laughs> now, yeah. now I, I hear these stories, and I say to myself, I know this is probably against AMA safety rules, but remember earlier we were talking about uh, the, the T-28 uh, Trojan day where we were all flying 28s trying to do touch-and-goes within a box? I, yeah. I wonder if you can, can you take a model and reverse every control surface, <laughs> on, take off, do a circle, and land? <laughs> Oh, or is gosh. that just wrong? It's possible. <laughs> but, but you know, I actually, see it's funny you mentioned that. Actually, me and some other guy were talking about doing something like that, where you'd have to use the old 72 megahertz transmitter, but have two transmitters on the same channel, but one was normal and one was reversed. So you would take off and then hand somebody a transmitter with like everything reversed and see if they could fly the plane down. It'd be like a competition or something. It might be. But you can do that with a buddy box, too. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yes, you can do a buddy box. Reverse yeah. the, but uh, the, the smoke and hole in the ground would be the same, no matter how you do it. <laughs> yeah, you'd be willing to sacrifice your plane. Do you think you could do it? Like, right now, as we are not practicing it, do you think you could take a, a high-wing trainer and take off, circle, and land with everything backwards? I have no idea. No. I think I could handle elevator, and that's about it. Only one of the axes you could do, but not all Three no, I wouldn't even say one axis, just elevator. Could you just flip the transmitter upside down? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, oh, boy. And, and then try to just stay on one stick because everything, and then all the, that's opposite, too. <laughs> there you go. The opposite hands. <laughs> Does somebody make a near-indestructible trainer-like plane we could try this on? Do it on the simulator first. That, that's no, good that's enough. no fun. No, no that's not fun. No, Come no on, practice. <laughs> Oh, are you a man or a mouse? Come on. All right, well, let's do it. Video or it didn't happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try it at home, kids. Let's take a break, and uh, we'll come back with our, our final segment. All right. Well, I think we'll maybe we'll try to touch on our third segment real quick. Well, about a month ago, uh, Terry Lee and I we went up to the Weatherford Swap Meet, uh, Weatherford's little town just west of Fort Worth, Texas, and it's a place I actually used to live in that area, and I would go to the Weatherford Swap Meet quite often, and I always looked forward to it because it took place over two days, which was pretty unusual for swap meets, and uh, since. I had been there before, and it was nice to go back after being away for some time. But for Lee and Terry, it was you guys' first time being there. What did you guys think of it? Well, I should clarify that you went up to Weatherford. I went down to Weatherford. I guess it's uh, kind of the halfway point for us, or pretty close to. But I thought it was a good event. I um, wasn't sure what to expect. I hadn't been to a swap meet uh, since uh, what it whenever it was in Houston several years ago. And uh, while it didn't live up to the hype, it was good. I sold a lot of stuff. I bought a few things. Um, yeah, no complaints here. 
Lee? I um, I've been to a couple of local swap meets here in Houston. None of them were as big as the one in Weatherford, so that was that was nice. Uh, it was cold. <laughs> did not did not bring a jacket, so it was quite quite nippy going back and forth from cold. the car. There weren't any snow on the ground. <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> it was 38, and I, I did not have any uh, protection for that. But anyway, it was... You are uh, a true Houston native. <laughs> yes, really. I, yes. <laughs> it's below 50. Uh, it's cold. Well, I wrote some notes down here. I thought the drive was great, made made better by having a friend tagging along, so it was nice to have Fitz with me, and it, it made the drive go quick. Uh, it was a good variety of stuff. It wasn't just, uh, you know, gas or glow planes, uh a lot of people said since this one's been around for so long, you just have a whole bunch of old timers selling glow stuff. But it wasn't. It was it was a good variety. Um, I mean, I I personally got a couple of good deals, but uh, I think nothing nothing spectacular. Um, but uh, you know, I I I did look around and I thought the auction though that was my only complaint is that the auction was uh, very slow, it took forever, and uh, they needed to speed it up a little bit. Because you know we were already running out of time, and maybe we caught the first you know five ten items, but there were so many neat things, and especially that 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 large SR seventy one Blackbird that would I would have liked to seen how much that went for. Yeah, we'll have to ask Gary if he sold it or if it went back home with him. That was uh, Gary Jones SR seventy one. Yeah, I found out about that later. There's actually a video of it on YouTube, and it's he's flying it indoors for such a large plane. It was really holy smokes. Yes, he was flying <laughs> indoors. <laughs> it was awesome. Wow. Yeah, I was impressed. Yeah, yeah, it's big, slow, and loud. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but you're right. That's the one of the neat things about the weather for swap means you, you almost always find something really interesting and really unusual there, uh, even if it's you know not the crowd that you expect. There's always some some gems to be found in the rough, so to speak. Yeah, talking to some of our neighbors there, I got the impression that in years past, it was kind of a a rush right when they opened the doors of mobs of people, and we certainly didn't see that. But there was a steady stream of people going in and out on both days. Yeah, it was a pretty decent crowd. You know, like I said, it, it's been more busy. I remember, you know, maybe ten years ago, where you know, there were literally people were buying stuff out of your hand as you're walking in the door with your stuff you know, from the parking lot. And uh, being the parking lot being a little more full was sort of speak tailgate sellers and that kind of stuff. But uh, well, I have to say that was the funny thing we both. Uh, saw fits when we wa- when we first showed up. All those people in line. I was like, oh, these people are waiting in line. But when you think about it, they had the best seat because they saw everything going in and they just started working in their head. Okay, I gotta get that. I gotta get that. Or I'll and go find out where that guy is. You know, they they were seeing everything. Unlike us, we were going back and forth. We were so busy, we didn't have any idea what was that. Yeah, they got a good, nice preview seat there for everything. Uh, but it was good that we all got sort of good, pretty good deals. We sold some stuff and we were able to find a couple of good deals on stuff. Uh, I found it funny that I was able to sell a plane that I bought there about 10 years ago, and I couldn't sell anywhere around here, and there it sold pretty quickly. So <laughs> life goes in circles, I guess. Yeah, I also had an interesting phenomenon there. Uh, I took that Telemaster, the new inbox Telemaster, that I thought would sell really quickly, but it just kind of sat there all over the weekend, and then literally in the last five minutes we were there, as I was packing everything up, I had four people come and try to buy it. And a couple of low ballers, and then uh, one guy who made a decent offer that I rejected, and then another guy who was standing right behind him who was ready to take my counter offer. So, oh, nice. It, it's just funny how that stuff plays out. I guess people trying to snipe like they do on eBay. Yeah, it was it? It was a good deal. Yeah, it yeah. was a good deal. I let it go for two hundred dollars. Wow, and that was for the, the giant, ginormous telemaster. It was like ninety something inch. Yeah, the ninety-five incher. You lift small children with it. Yes, large children, probably. That's <laughs> yeah, a classic design. Was there some guy that really low-balled you? Offered you twenty bucks for some for something ridiculous? Oh, he yeah, offered it to all three of us. <laughs> I think that was the twin star. Was it yeah, twin he star? kept. He kept. No, no, no. It was the uh, it was the UAV, wasn't it? No, I thought it was the twin star. Oh, okay, but either way, it's just as ridiculous for either one. Yeah, <laughs> well, but I yeah, can't blame a guy for trying. That's true. <laughs> he, had, he had a pretty good gall on that guy. Then <laughs> uh, it sounds like Jeff, my cameraman. He always offering twenty. You crash a plane, I'll give you twenty bucks for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Somebody probably takes it every now and then. 
Yes, I guess, you know, every once in a while it works. Just like, you know, asking a girl out for a date, right? You ask 100 girls, eventually one's going to say yes. Yeah, you got to play the odds. Except for my well, luck, I mean, they all just shoot me. Comparing, <laughs> comparing Weatherford to uh, the Perry, I, I hadn't been there, but the, some guys at our club uh, shared their uh, their trip to the Perry swap meet, and they they said stuff was just flying off the table. They were getting stuff, pennies on the dollar, and he showed me this one bag of maybe six glow engines he got for five bucks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, and they looked good. I mean, it's not like they were missing the... the the throttle intake or the carb intake, but it was just—I mean—they said they were just there were just so many deals to be to be offered there. So, well, well the definition of a good deal depends on which side of the table you're standing on. Oh, Zed Master Terry here. Well, <laughs> it, I went to the swap meet primarily to sell, so if I had to give stuff away pennies on the dollar, I would have had a very different impression of the meat. Oh. But I, I didn't think that was the case on Weatherford. I, I, for the most part, got what I asked and are very close to. So it sounds like we need to take a road trip to Perry then, doesn't it? Not to sell, but to buy, yes. <laughs> Just to experience it. Well, awesome. Well, hopefully maybe one day, one of these centuries, we'll be able to make it out there and see what all the excitement's about. All right, guys. Well, <laughs> all right. well thanks for, uh, for for joining us in our very first podcast. Hopefully you're not bored to, to gnaw your own arm off to escape. And uh, hopefully we'll get another one going, and we'll talk about something new and exciting and interesting. At least to us. We don't care about you. <laughs> I was about to offer the counterpoint. I, I think we definitely have our own list of things we'd like to talk about, but we're also receptive to ideas. So yeah, let so us know. Yeah, let us know. Send us a note uh, if you think we should talk about something or have a question or a rant. Uh, we'll be happy to talk about it. We all have our opinions, and uh, we can fight it out and make it entertaining. And to send us a note, email us at contact at rcroundtable.com or visit us at our rcroundtable.com website where we also have links to our Twitter and YouTube pages. Lee, got any last thoughts? <laughs> nope, that's, uh, that's a wrap. And that's a wrap. See you on the flip side. Goodbye.